بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the 17th of August in the year 2023 Alhamdulillah the last week we've been taking a glimpse into the divine majesty and awesome mercy so to spend another session or so on this endless subject so it's very important to highlight that those who have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can never actually really be termed as weak. So you'll see Muslim brothers and sisters saying that we are weak. The Muslim, you know, they are weak. The unbelievers have authority. They are right in a sense. Outwardly we are weak. But what do I mean? We can never really be termed as weak. Mufti Shafi Rahmatullah in his Ma'riful Quran, volume 4, page 32 of the English translation, he beautifully articulated. He said in Surah A'raf, verse 137, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, he says, Audhu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajeem, وَأَوْرَثْنَ الْقَوْمَ الَّذِينَ قَانُوا يُسْتَدْعَفُونَ مَشَارِقَ الْأَرْضِ وَمَغَارِبَ هَلَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهَا and we made the people who were taken to be weak, the inheritors of the land, of east and west, which we have blessed. Then Mufti Shafi said, Rahmatullah, note, the verse did not say the people who were weak. Rather, it said those who were taken as weak. This implies that those having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as their support can never be weak in the real sense of the word, of the world, though they may seem so from the apparent condition. So let's look at this. So what was the verse Mufti Shafi was quoting? He's quoting the verse about the Bani Israel. So this is the, when they were enslaved by the Fir'aun. So how does Allah the Almighty and Glorious describe them? Look what he says. We made the people who were taken to be weak. Look at the precise wording Allah uses. So outwardly they were slaves. Who was in charge? The Firon. Who were the masters? The Egyptians. Allah the Almighty said, We took the people who were taken to be weak and we made them inheritors. He said Allah did not say the people who were weak. Therefore, he says, Allah the Almighty, if He is your support, you can never be weak in the real sense of the word, though they may seem so from the apparent condition. So now we're in the same condition. Who are in charge? The unbelievers. They walk into our lands nilly-willy. Are we weak? So a lot of people, without thinking, because yes, we're weak. You can't oppose them. And you respond by saying, no, we're not weak. We apparently are weak. So he will then argue with you, what's the same thing, brother? It's not the same thing. Allah is telling you explicitly that anybody who has myself as his Lord and patron, he can never be weak. 
as the Almighty and Glorious explicitly says in another verse. In Surah Ali Imran, Surah 3, verse 160. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps you, none can overcome you. If he abandons you, who is there after that that can help you? In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then let the believers put their trust. So look how clear the verse is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if I help you, none can overcome you. So what are the shayateens very proud of? They think that witchcraft gives them power. So those who dabble in the black arts, they think that they've got power. What does Allah ta'ala explicitly state about that in Baqarah, Surah Baqarah? He goes, they can only harm those bi'idhinillah. All of that knowledge they've acquired the black arts with, he goes, it can't work. <laughs> It only works with my permission. So what does that tell you about witchcraft? Have they got power? No. They can learn you know, the highest degrees of witchcraft. It can't work. Allah Ta'ala goes, it only works with my permission. So here Allah Ta'ala says, if I help you, nobody can overcome you. We've got examples. Look at Ibrahim Nobody was with him. Could they overcome him? They threw him into the fire. Fire became paradise. They tried to do this and that. Nothing happened to him. Allah Ta'ala was with him. Nobody could overcome him. Then Allah Ta'ala says, If he abandons you, who is there after that that can help you? So where is the true power of the Muslim? It's with his connection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Then Allah Ta'ala says, In Allah, let the believers put their trust. Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. What is it mentioned in the Bible? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's good to call the Bible. Why? Because if you know your own scripture, you can take the truth from the Bible. This seems like a true statement. What does it say in the Bible? The Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, can anybody get to you? The shepherd's job is to protect the flock. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> Meaning, if I've got him, how can I go astray? <laughs> For is it not a reality that this universe will only stay in place until the last Muslim passes away? <laughs> What's the famous report? In Sahih Muslim, number 5516, Anas radiyallam, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa the hour will not begin until it is no longer said on earth, Allah, Allah. The hour will not begin. It's haram for Qiyamah to arrive. Until there is nobody left on the earth who says, Allah, Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now why is that amazing? You know, we hear this report, but we don't reflect upon it. Subhanallah. Those it is due to Muslims. That the unbelievers are in reality receiving all that they receive. Subhanallah, food for thought. Think about that. What did the Prophet say? You know, putting it very simply. When the last Muslim leaves this world, 
There's no Muslim left. Kiamat strikes. So you think, okay. Well, hang on a minute. So who's stopping Kiamat? The Muslims. Can the unbelievers be wiped out until Kiamat? No. Who's protecting the unbelievers? The Muslims. Who really has got power? Look, you know, you should be thinking, you know, reflecting upon what Allah has given you. So note again, the unbelievers are only receiving what they're receiving because of us. Consider also Qadi Shurih, Rahmatullah's words. What did he say? I would be inflicted with a misfortune. Yet I still thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it because of four things. So what's this great man saying? Qadi Shurih, Rahmatullah. He said, whenever I'm, I'm put into a test, I still thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter how bad the test is. And he goes, because of four reasons, this is why I thank him. Mm-hmm. Number one, I thank him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for not inflicting upon me a severe test. <laughs> think about that. So let's say, you know, you, you have a, you're in a road accident and you break both your legs. So you're in hospital for months. And you see the person, he goes, Alhamdulillah. All shukr is to Allah so bad. Why are you saying shukr for brother? I could have brought me arms as well. Oh yeah, that's true. That's the first reason I thank him. The second, for giving me patience to endure it. Giving me understanding. I understand I need to be patient because this will lead to other treasures. So I thank Allah for that. That he's put me into a test which has triggered patience. And I know the reward for patience. So I thank him for that. Thirdly, for guiding me to get rewarded for being patient over it. What's the reward for patience? Paradise. The Prophet said the reward for patience is nothing but paradise. How do you show patience when you're tested? So he goes, I thank my Lord for that. That he's given me a path to paradise through a tribulation. And fourthly, for not causing this misfortune to affect my religion. For not causing this misfortune to affect my religion. What do you mean by that? Most of the tests has got nothing to do with your deen. It's your world. You lose your house, that's your dunya. Car blows up, that's your dunya. Break both your arms, that's your dunya. So most of the times, you have to do shukr. Why? It's got nothing to do with my deen. Alhamdulillah. If Allah Ta'ala afflicted my deen, that's a serious matter. This is recorded by Hafiz Zahbi in his Siyad 4-105. Now, why have I mentioned this report? This is how the Muslims look at the world. We're not like the unbelievers. Even with a misfortune, we do shukr. We got a smile on our face. Think about that. A non-Muslim will never understand that. He goes, why are you smiling? <laughs> you got wasted, right? And he goes, you don't know, brother. You don't realize. I do. Alhamdulillah. And he actually thinks you've blown a fuse. But if he asks you, you know, politely, look, I want to know what's the secret to this. You know, you're getting tested. You're still happy. Because my religion tells me what, how to react. So note again, let me put that simply. Four reasons I always thank my Lord, even in misfortune. Number one, it's not more severe, the test. Isn't that true? 
Can there be a test that is the worst test that's nothing more severe than that? Impossible. There's always something worse. So let's think of some big ones. A big test is you lose a family member. How do you do shukr? I could have lost another family member. I only lost one. That's true. It's a big test. You lose your eyesight. That's a big test. Then you think, Alhamdulillah, wife, I've still got my hearing. Could have lost my hearing. Look how we're supposed to think. What is shaitan put into your head? God must hate you. He's put you in this, you know, decrepit state. And that's what shaitan does with the ignorant people. You have to have knowledge. And then you realize, Alhamdulillah, this is good. I can see goodness in this. So he goes, I do shukr for that. The third, I have, the second, I have patience. Some people, they tested, they haven't got patience. Because Alhamdulillah, I've got patience. I know how am I supposed to react to this. Thirdly, I thank him for realizing the reward for being patient. And fourthly, it hasn't affected my deen. Alhamdulillah, it hasn't affected my deen. Thus, it is all a matter of perspective, is it not? Indeed, we thus have an immense potential within us. Should we wish to strive? As Imam Ghazali beautifully said, in his Ihya, in the chapter on the mysteries of Salat and his greatness, Imam Ghazali said, The nearness and degrees that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted to the angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, will continue as they are without increase or decrease. Why? For they say of themselves, Allah Ta'ala quotes them in the Quran, in Surah As-Safat, Surah 37, verse 164. There is none amongst us who does not have a known position. However, he subhanahu wa ta'ala makes man differ from them, giving him progress in degrees. He thus does not cease to draw nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whilst this door of progress is closed to the angels. Look how profound his statement. We're not better than the angels, but we've been given gifts that the angels haven't. This is important to highlight. We're not better than Jibreel. Don't start thinking like this. But what have we got that they haven't got? I mentioned yesterday, we have repentance. They haven't got repentance. There's nothing to repent for for them. We've got gifts. Here Imam Ghazali said, the angels can't get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nor can they go further away from Him. They're stuck. Why? Because their own words, Allah quotes them. What does He say about the angels? The angels say about themselves, there is none amongst us who does not have a maqamun ma'loom, who has a known station. Why didn't the angels say, there is none amongst us who have a continuously higher station, because they know their maqam. They can't increase, they can't decrease. How is that linked to us? We're not like that. We have that potential to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ghazali said, we can, be, we can become great in his sight. And obviously the opposite is true. We can slip. Mm-hmm. The Quran goes, Some will go to the lowest of law. Mm-hmm. So you can slip. Mm-hmm. But it goes, this is what Allah Ta'ala has given to us. If you've got sense. Thus mm-hmm. our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in Surah Al-Isra, Surah 17, verse 70, وَلَقَدْ قَرَّمْنَا بَنِي عَادَمْ 
we have honored the children of Adam. We have honored the children of Adam. What does Allah mean by that? How are we honored? Somebody asked the scholar, he goes, why aren't the jinn honored above us? They've got more powers than us. They can see us, we can't see them. They've got strength, they can go into the heavens, eavesdrop, we can hardly get off planet Earth without a space shuttle. He goes, they can travel vast distances in a split second. We have to get PIA with a drunk pilot, right? Then he goes, we're just weak. So how does, why does Allah say, we have honored the children of Adam. So one of the persons asked a scholar, how are we honored above the jinn? He gave a beautiful response. He goes, why do the jinn want to possess us? If they're better. I thought, look at the answers, you know, our jeep, the joy. Why are they, if they're so great, why are they possessing us? Would we want to go into an ant? Imagine somebody like, what power to go in? Why do you want to go into an ant for? Someone wrong with you. So, there's something about us that's special. And even the jinn realized that. So, Allah has honored us. But looking at it more deeply, because we've been given keys by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that even the angels haven't got. Think about that. Angels can't sing. What's making this special? Why is Adam? Why did the angels prostrate to him? Why? Why are angels prostrate? They're sinless. Because there's something special about him. There's something special about the human being. Indeed, part of this honor is that sinless angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, serve us in paradise. If I was to say to you, would you love to serve Jibreel? He goes, that would be a tremendous honor. But how am I going to serve him? Don't worry about it, it's hypothetical. <laughs> but of course we'd love to serve if we could. But guess what? What if he's serving you? Brother, look, you know, what are you talking about? Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Yunus, والسلام, Surah 10, verse 10, Da'awahum fiha subhanak Allahumma. The people of paradise's dua will be subhanak Allahumma. Glorified and free from all imperfection are you, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the verse. So what's that verse going to do with the angels? <laughs> you know, it's linked. So what does Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? The people of paradise, what's their dua going to be? Subhanak Allahumma. You know when you just go to sleep at the beginning in Salat. <laughs> so think about that. When you offer your Salat, the first thing you say is what you're going to be saying in paradise. Hopefully that will keep you awake in Salat. Subhanak Allahumma. So why have I mentioned that? Because there's a tafsir of this verse. When the residents of paradise wish to have something, wish, just desire it, they will say, Subhanak Allahumma. The angels will instantly present what they wished before them. This is in Ibn Jarir, Ibn Al-Mundir, Qurtubi, Ruh Al-Ma'ani, Malif Al-Quran, Volume 4, page 525-6 of the English translation. So this needs to be explained. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? The people of paradise's dua will be, Subhanak Allahumma. Without tafsir, you haven't got a clue what Allah Ta'ala is talking about. The only thing you probably think is, oh, we're making zikr in paradise. MashaAllah, brother. Mufassir, Indonu, right? What does it mean? Why is Allah Ta'ala mentioning that? 
because he's explaining to you, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, that when you desire someone, you don't even need to say it. Imagine, fancy lamb chops in your heart. You will say, Subhanakallahumma. That's the key. Angels will instantly give you lamb chops. What does the hadith say? Who's giving you lamb chops? Angels. Hang on a minute. Are angels serving me? Well, I just told you. Not the servants. It's the angels. How do I get their attention? Subhanakallahumma. So a person goes, how did they work that? Because Allah Ta'ala loves the children of Adam. He's honoring them. Mufti Shafi, he explained, Rahmatullah, in Ma'riful Quran, volume 4, page 5 to 5 to 6 of the English translation. This phrase will act as a password or access code for the residents of paradise through which they will articulate their wish. And the angels doing their duty will fulfill it every time. Thus, we can also call the statement a dua. Because if you look at the English, is it a dua? Glorified and free from all imperfection are you. Is that a dua? It's a zikr. Why does the hadith mention this is a dua? Or the Quran mentioned this is a dua? What does Allah Ta'ala say? Da'awahum. Their dua will be. So Mufti Shafi Rahmatullah said, the, the reason is called a dua. It's because you're asking for something. Have you understood? When you're making a dua, you're asking for something. Subhanakallahumma is the dua which fulfills that request. Have you understood that? So look at the verse. Without commentary, no idea, brother. Da'wahum fiha subhanakallahumma. Their dua within it will be subhanakallahumma. What does it mean? You think, brother, you need a bit of time to explain this. The people of paradise will have desires. When they desire something, they will say, Subhanakallahumma. The angels will be immediately alerted and they will understand what your desire is. They will produce it in front of you. Because, mashallah. Second question, why is Allah Ta'ala calling that a dua? Because your needs are getting fulfilled. When you're saying, Subhanakallahumma. Now, what's interesting, to finish, what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? The most beloved words to your Lord. This is in Asbahani, Sahih Hadith. The most beloved words to your Lord are Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarak asmuka wa ta'ala jadduka wa la ilaha ghayruka. How many of you know that? Because, think about that. You know, my hair, well, yours, my shari is still young, but you know, some of us grey hairs now. I'll tell you straight. Many people with grey hairs, they don't even know why they start their salat with that zikr. In fact, they even think, skip it, let's go straight to Fatiha. That's just bonus. We can go straight to Fatiha. Fine, go to Fatiha. You know what you've missed. The most beloved words to Allah. So a person goes, why are they the most beloved words? Glorified and free from all imperfection is Allah. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika. All praise be to him. You're praising when you're saying there is nobody worthy of worship except Him. Why are those the, most, those the most beloved words? It's a key to getting your du'as fulfilled. It's a key. You'll be using it in paradise. Imagine, subhanakallahumma, next minute, whatever you want is there. Allahu Akbar. Then the Prophet said, the most hateful words to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
to keep away from this, is when somebody gives you advice and you say, couldn't you find somebody else? Astaghfirullah. So imagine the person, you know, for example, he sees you prank and you're not, your back's not straight in ruku. So he comes over respectfully. He goes, brother, look, don't get upset. But when you're doing your ruku, your back needs to be straight. Otherwise, your prayer is in danger of not being accepted. So your response should be, Jazakallah khair, brother. May Allah reward you for telling me. If you say this, of all these people in the masjid, you have to come to me. The Prophet said, that's the most hateful words to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let me ask you a question. How often do people make that statement? Allah hates that. Why? Because a person's gone out of his way to help you in your deen. And you're responding like that. But anyway, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarak asbuka wa ta'ala jadduka wa la ilaha ghairak. What a beautiful way to open the prayer. There's other zikrs you could say as well. But that is mentioned in Abu Dawood. And Umar favored it. Amir al-Mu'minin. He would go, I'd love to start my prayer with this blessed zikr. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today, again, was talking about the majesty of our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and explaining that we are never weak. We may apparently look weak, but Allah Ta'ala is with us. He's not with the non-Muslims. He's with us, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then I mentioned how we look at tribulations. Test come. Dunya de gham bazaar de. A Pratan statement, not Hadith, right? It means the world is the marketplace of woodies. One woody comes, another one, you know, it's... You think, yeah, it's all going sweet, but you know it's coming. You know it's coming. When it's going sweet, that's the sign something's in a white year. And what happens? Does. Here we go. And then that goes. And eventually you get used to it, thinking, but how do we respond to that? Alhamdulillah. You think, Alhamdulillah, what's the matter with you? Could have been worse. Alhamdulillah, it's not affected my deen. Alhamdulillah. The reward for patience is paradise. How am I going to show patience without tribulations? Look how beautiful. If we look at our deen, we study our deen, we know how to live our lives. And then of course I mentioned that we have a potential above the angels and they will serve us in paradise by the grace and mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah <laughs> <laughs>